Yes, hello my friends, welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norse, his name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, not to tell people what you say off camera, off screen, because what happens off mic stays off mic, but uh, you think you have a pretty good hold on the NFL for three weeks. Maybe maybe week four is going to turn on its head and be a little bit unpredictable. How are you doing today? There are like eight good NFL teams. We already have ridden off the rest of them. So yeah, <laughs> I'm doing good. How about you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, the one o'clock window is a lot of quantity over quality, but we, you know, get that turned around the four o'clock window and definitely the primetime games. Again, all of you out there, we are going to go through all 15 Sunday and Monday contests pick out the most important matchups, the big plays, some players you might want to sit along the way, injury reports, trends, all that good stuff. We're going to pick an underdog of the week. We're going to pick our Benji of the week. A player is going to go for 100 yards. I love these shows. It helps us look at the narratives and, again, the matchups for each contest. Let's get it rolling. Let's start off with the 3-0 and Carolina Panthers going to Dallas. Arlington, four and a half point favorites. The Cowboys are a 50 and a half total in this game. While the Panthers, Hayden, have a little bit of extra rest coming off that win against the Houston Texans last Thursday, they are down a few significant pieces. Christian McCaffrey at running back, JC Horn at cornerback. They are the only team in the NFL to not trail this season. We can expect them to trail at some point against the high powered Dallas Cowboys offense. They, the Cowboys are five-point favorites. I think that's pretty fair. The Cowboys' defense quietly looks pretty good, and I think a lot of that is Trayvon Diggs, their corner from last year, is kind of like stepping in. And I think that's really encouraging for the entire Cowboys' defense, especially Micah Parson looks good as an edge rusher too. So I don't think that we should expect the Cowboys' defense to be like it was last year. I don't think it's a great unit, but it's definitely a more improved unit, and that gets the Cowboys like into the NFC um just competition for the playoffs. And all. So I think they're a legit uh, competitor. And I think that this is like the first test for the Panthers, to like really get out there and see what this young defense is looking like. So many great talking points in this game. And one of the shocking revelations through three games is how great this Panthers defense is, how it's flying around the field. We know that Dak, Dak Prescott has been a master, a wizard, a genius on pre-snap. I mean, he is in total flow, picking out exactly where the ball needs to go ahead of time and recognizing pressure looks and who's been better than anyone almost in the NFL doing that for three weeks, Phil snow. And while we love this Cowboys offense, the pieces aren't perfect. You know, right tackle Lyle Collins is suspended. So in steps, Terrence Steele. they have Taylor Beatus at center, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he has been horrific in pass protection at times. So the, the, you know, competition, the dueling between Phil Snow and, and hiding things and then the defensive line, you know, getting slants, getting loops, getting stunts, and then the center tackles and guards passing all of those off. To me, that's like one of the finer details of this matchup that if that happens, the Panthers have a chance of keeping up with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense. I like the Cowboys' chances, though, for sure, just because we've seen Kellen Moore adapt. Now, all of a sudden, the Cowboys, typically an 11 personnel team, have switched over to 12 personnel. Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin are both out in the route a ton. Blake Jar- Blake Jarwin's basically just getting schooled by Dalton Schultz right now, and that's been pretty pretty interesting. I think this is a huge bounce-back game for C.B. Lamb 
and Amari Cooper. The the Panthers are um, down J.C. Horn. They're getting C.J. Henderson in there. We don't know how that's going to work out in the first first game. But I made C.D. Lamb my cover boy for 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 this week because I think that he's going to have a massive game. And I think that same thing you can say with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I'm not sure. Do you have any any thoughts with Tony Pollard? Like, is it just a bench hold basically at this point? Right. Well, the Panthers do have beef up the middle. I mean, yeah. Derek Brown, Daquan Jones. Shaq Thompson's playing at a super high level. They get, you know, bringing a safety in as like a third linebacker at times with, with Jeremy Chin. Um, I think they're too fast probably for Tony Pollard on the outside stuff. And really, it could be an Ezekiel Elliott week of just pounding, pounding, pounding. Agree. And Dak Prescott just slicing them up if yep. if he's able to. And I think the J.C. Horn injury is is massive because who knows if it's going to be A.J. Boye. Who knows if C.J. Henderson is going to step right in. I've, I've been really surprised by the post-week one non-Gallup usage, Michael Gallup usage with Cedric Wilson, how it's just like not really existent. And then they're running a lot of 12 personnel like you outlined. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of 12 personnel. I think that they're going to get Zeke the ball up the middle. And I think that Tony Pollard's going to have his little gadget role. I do want to note from Sports Info Solutions, among 53 running backs with at least 15 carries, Tony Pollard's been hit behind the line of scrimmage on just 12% of his carries. That's dead last or first, however you want to look at it. Zeke is getting hit behind the line of scrimmage all the time. Their roles are just yeah. totally different. I think that we need to separate Tony Pollard's explosiveness with what Zeke is providing. So I think you're going to see a lot of Zeke up the middle, a lot of play action. I think that it's going to be a lot of downfield shots for CeeDee Lamb and Mark Cooper. I think that those three guys plus Dak Prescott, that's the fantasy focus. Yeah. Tony Pollard to me is just a bench hold. Yeah, and Matt Rule loves himself some Dak Prescott, comparing him to Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, all the best in terms of his pre-snap recognition. But let's talk about the Panthers quarterback here because this shocked me when I found out this week, Hayden. But uh, Sam Darnold is tied for the league lead in rushing touchdowns this season. Um, This is going to be a somewhat different offense, one without their pillar piece, in Christian McCaffrey and one like we alluded to that is going to need to catch up on the scoreboard at some point. At least we believe so. And even in wins three, and zero, Sam Darnold has thrown at least 34 passes in each contest. So it's not like they are just able to establish the run and play great defense and win from there. I could see this game for him reaching 40, 45 attempts. So Hayden, what is a trickle down here? where we've seen 11 targets, only 11 targets for Robbie Anderson in three games and just 14 for Terrace Marshall in three contests. I think that this is going to be a good spot for Robbie Anderson to get back on track. Obviously, the Panthers, like you just alluded to, are going to be trailing here most likely, and that's just going to get Robbie Anderson into kind of a, a more intermediate role. Right now, it's just been all deep shots. Like His, his eight out run is like at 17.5. I don't think that's sustainable. I think that he'll probably settle in closer to like 11. There's probably going to be more intermediate routes for him. And I think that's going to be good news for him. So I think this is a chance if you are desperate, I know it's hard to trust him right now, but to get Robbie Anderson back in your flex. I also think that the Christian McCaffrey stuff, they're probably not going to use the running backs as much as they would. Otherwise that probably gets another target or two to Robbie Anderson. So I'm still waiting on Terrace Marshall. I think that it's going to be DJ Moore against Trayvon Diggs and then Robbie Anderson in a better spot. And then it's just like the big thing. What do we expect with with Chuba Hubbard versus Royce Freeman? Lots of questions in the chat about shadow coverage of Trayvon Diggs against DJ Moore. I am not concerned at all about DJ Moore winning his isolated battle. I I think DJ Moore is establishing himself as a top 12 
top 15 wide receiver in the NFL, yep. someone who can create separation, someone who can win contested, someone who can win after the catch as well. I never will have a question if DJ Moore is going to be an important piece of the Panthers game plan yep. each and every week. The questions we have are if Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall can emerge, especially without Darren Arnold on, on the team anymore. And, and you mentioned it. We have a whole video on Chuba Hubbard right now on the YouTube channel. The opportunities could be there. It's 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 weird. There, a lot of local reporters and even Matt Rule is saying that like, hey, this is going to be Chuba Hubbard's backfield. But then each time it's capped by. But Royce Freeman's going to get a lot of touches too. Yes, you know. Yes. So I, I think it's impossible for us to understand exactly what the game plan is going to be. And Hayden, I think it's also if one of the backs is far more efficient, far more effective, then they're going to change the game plan on the spot and ride that player like they would have with Christian McCaffrey. I am not willing to assume that Chuba Hubbard's going to have the Mike Davis role. I don't think that they're the same type of player. And I think that Royce Freeman, we should expect him to play a little more this week just because they just got him on the roster like a couple weeks ago. So you would assume now with Christian McCaffrey out of the way, they're like really trying to get Royce Freeman up to speed. So I think that Chuba Hubbard is, an, is more of an RB2. There's still that, that top five ceiling like we saw Mike Davis have, and obviously with Christian McCaffrey. But I don't think that this is just going to be like locked in Alexander Madison type of workload. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is more like a 70-30, 60-40 type of split in favor of Chuba Hubbard um, with some downside risk that he's just like not ready yet. So um, I think that you you should start Chuba Hubbard. I don't think this is like an auto lock Chuba Hubbard week. Um, I think that he's very interesting for like DFS. And Royce could be the one who gets more passing down work as a, as a trusted player. In the, I mean, there was a season yeah. I think he got 50 targets with with Denver. One final point to cap this game, and then we'll move on. Even in wins, Sam Darnold has one or two plays where his brain gets put in a blender. Um, yeah. There was that interception against the Jets in week one after he missed another red zone target to Ian Thomas. In week two against the Saints, he tried like a shovel pass that he threw directly at the New Orleans Saints. Week three was far from perfect as well against a bad Texans team. So you can't have those against the Cowboys. You know, you're, yeah. I, to me, you're just not going to be able to do that against an improved Cowboys defense. So I'm not saying that Sam has to play a perfect game, but Dak always has a chance to put up 28, 35 points on the opposing team. And uh, it's a big test. It's a big test for Carolina. Okay, before we move on, again, we have 14 more games to cover. 81% of you that are watching this right now are not subscribed to this channel. You losers. What are you doing? You like the content. You like hearing Hayden and I help you win, have more fun during football Sundays and weekends. Subscribe down below. Like while you're down there. We have a blast communicating, talking with all of you, hanging out three times a week, Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. So again, we appreciate it. Subscribe to the channel. Let's keep it rolling. Cleveland Browns, Two and one, two point favorites on the road against the Minnesota Vikings, who had their first win of the season last week. A big total in this, Hayden, for two teams that have spent a lot and kind of have defensive focuses on their roster 51 and a half. And on some level, these two teams know each other so well. I mean, obviously, Kevin Stefanski comes from the Minnesota Vikings, their, their blueprints for building their organizations and their rosters are somewhat similar. Hayden, I got to say it, though. I think the Browns are just so much better off in almost every single spot except for wide receiver. 
And you get a little revenge narrative for, for Kevin Stefanski here too. So I'm all the way in on the Browns with you. I think that their defense looks way improved. They're obviously have the best rushing offense in the NFL outside of maybe the Ravens. And I think that Baker Mayfield is certainly efficient enough. And I think that the big key here is it's Odell Beckham. He's my Benji of the week for the record. I'm two and one with, uh, with this. And the only game I have missed was Chris Carson, two touchdown game. So I'm willing to round that up. Oh, the reason why I have Odell Beckham as my Benji of the week Nine targets, 149 air yards in his return last week. That does not include the end around he got. That does not include the um, the pass interference call that he got. To me, he looked explosive. To me, this is a game where they're going to need him because the Vikings offense is clicking right now. And this is like a lot of credit to Kirk Cousins. And the big thing right now is the Vikings cornerbacks. They've allowed 28 receptions, 439 yards, and six touchdowns already. That's just the two outside guys, Pat, Pat Peterson and Bashad Breeland. So I think that Odell Beckham's got a plus matchup. I think that there's a chance that they could be trailing points because the Vikings are clicking on offense. And to me, I thought Odell Beckham looked back back last week. So I, I, I'm all in on Odell. I think that he's an upside wide receiver too, um, especially without Jarvis Landry. I love this. I mean, the total of 51 and a half, it's not just going to be both these teams running. There's going to be some impact players and, and big plays in the passing game. And we always talk about it. the Browns are a big play team. It's with Kareem Hunt last week. It's with Nick Chubb reeling off 15, 20 plus yard runs. And now they finally have a player in the passing game that can yep. create big plays in Odell. I'm totally with you. He even said he like wasn't in game shape and it's going to be scary when he is. It's going to yeah. be scary when he is. He has that burst, man. It's just like, it's just so unnatural. Like he just like pops off the film. It's crazy. Look again, the one o'clock window in week four, not great. We need a juice to our veins with Odell Beckham taking a slant to the house for like 55 minutes. Maybe this weekend it can happen. You mentioned Kirk Cousins. Hayden, rewatched that that game this morning. Kirk Cousins balled the fuck out in week four. Yeah, he's good right now, man. Let, Let me say that. Yeah. I mean, wow. He was unbelievable. Yep. Everything was back foot. He knew exactly where to go with the ball. It was touch. It was placement. He was leading his receivers. It didn't matter if there was pressure. It didn't matter if there was disruption. It was against the Seahawks, correct? A you know yep. offense that has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson. Guess which offense looked far more explosive for all four quarters? Yep. The Minnesota Vikings, and it's Adam Thielen making tough catches. It's Justin Jefferson getting his legs back from underneath him right now and like really striding it out and, and creating separation. And then Tyler Conklin winning over the middle of the field and then screens to Alexander Madison. We didn't even yep. talk about that running back's position, though, because like if Madison is in there by himself, he's a top 12 running back, even against a really, really difficult defensive line of the Cleveland Browns. But Hayden, right now, isn't it kind of trending towards – Dalvin Cook at least being active, but who knows how much he plays? I would say he returns. And if he is returning, he's a top five uh, back. A little more risk, obviously, with the injury. But, yeah, you're starting either one of them, whoever's whoever's the starter. So that's, like, not a question. I do want to give credit to Justin Jefferson. We always talk about his route running. He finishes hard, man. Like, he yep. catches – for a smaller dude, this guy is willing to run right over you. He did it repeatedly last week. So I think it's going to be a very cool matchup. Denzel Ward last week erased Allen Robinson. We finally got the all 22 for that bears game and the bears. We'll get to him in a second. They could not get open. Those wide receivers could not get open. And Denzel Ward was a big part of that. So uh, miles Garrett's playing like the, the best defensive player in the NFL right now. So I think that the Vikings are going to struggle on the perimeter. Like right now they don't have their starting left tackle, but even with that, Justin Jefferson, Phelan and Kirk cousins are playing awesome. I think that Tyler Conklin has kind of established himself 
as an upside tight end to play as well. That the athleticism popped a couple plays um, last week. So I think that Tyler Conklin in a high scoring environment is somebody that you should be pretty, pretty confident as like a tight end two streamer. Yeah. Once again, these teams are built very similarly, but a lot of the pieces on the Browns are just better in their individual spot. But we saw a dominant defensive line and defensive effort from the Browns last week in terms of Clowney, in terms of McDowell, in terms of especially Miles Garrett. We see those happen, and then it's really difficult to replicate that the following week. You know, like look at Chandler Jones. Like we haven't really talked about him since week one. Not say he's not playing well, but just those huge breakout performances. It's not as sticky as you see with skill position players. Um, And quickly, on the Browns offensive line, this is just from Wednesday, but J.C. Treader and Jedrick Wills, their center and their left tackle, did not practice. So. Probably I think they'll play through one it. of them is going to play. They're going to play through it, but just something to monitor as we go along. Cause we know how critical the Browns starting five along their offensive line can be for their success. I got one last note and I just want to talk about Nick Chubb. Obviously he is a top 10 back, all that stuff. I also want to just think about going back to best ball this summer. He was a second round pick right now. He's playing like probably what a second round pick. You're just getting that baseline value. The contingency value right now, if, if either one of Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb gets out is monstrous. Nick Chubb would be literally in the argument for a number one, number two overall. If Kareem Hunt goes out, because Kareem Hunt's playing all the two minute drill stuff and Nick Chubb is still the RB eight right now. So I think we need to talk about what Nick Chubb's potential is like right now. He's already top 10 back and that's with Kareem Hunt playing like literally half the, half the snap. So um, I'm not sure if he's uh, like a, someone to, to trade for right now, but I think that his placement behind yeah. this offensive line is just like unnaturally good. Yeah. I see a few emojis used on, on Twitter with like the declining chart with Nick Chubb at times on Sunday nights after he gets like 20 carries and 86 yards. Look, he just didn't get, you know, the red zone touchdown and he didn't hit one of his patented big plays. They are inevitable. This team is who they are. They're counting on him and he is an unreal talent. I mean, he still is, I think leading the NFL in broken tackles. He is oh, yeah. a absolute machine and so we have his floor. This is his floor every single week. It just, I understand it. Like if you drafted Nick Chubb instead of Kareem Hunt, you know, three or four rounds later, but that's just what happens. This is what happens in week to week, minute details of, of the running back position when the entire team has success too. Yeah. So. All right. Let's jump now to the Kansas City Chiefs against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Chiefs on the road. They are one and two. Hayden, I repeat that. The Chiefs are one and two right now, but they're seven point favorites with a total a 54 and a half against the Eagles. Which you want to start with, paying the Chiefs or Philadelphia? Let's start with the Chiefs. I just think that this is like, don't be stupid. Obviously, the Chiefs are going to dominate here, right? Like, the, they're not going one and three. And the Eagles are missing one of their better defensive linemen. And I just think that this is going to be a week where Patrick Mahomes just tighten, tightens it up. Like, he's been a little bit sloppy. Kind of uncharacteristic for Patrick Mahomes. There's been a couple more turnovers than you would expect. But like the turnover thing, like that to me is just kind of like variance. They're moving the ball down the field, like every single, they're like not punting. They're just like down the field and then it's like a, just a, they just get tripped up. And I don't think that's like anything schematically wrong with the Chiefs offense. Maybe they can get some, something more out of like McCole Harden or something like that. But right now, they just need a bigger week from Tyreek Hill. And I think all that stuff's going to correct. And this is just like a weird three game sample. And I'm more concerned about their defense than their offense for sure. Yeah, the Chiefs have a negative two turnover differential right now. And last week it was four turnovers, and that was all in the first half, I believe. Like, 
Sloppy is the correct word for it. And I think at times that's happening with Patrick Mahomes, but it's so different when you have Mahomes making turnovers versus, I don't know, like a Jared Goff making turnovers where you can trust in the final two drives. If you need 10 points, Patrick Mahomes to put those up on the scoreboard. I just think when you face off against some juggernauts like the Chiefs have had to start their season, it gets really, really difficult. They are rightly, to me, a touchdown favorite plus in this game, like seven sure. points because the Eagles are an absolute mess. Before we get over there, Hayden, one final question, and there are two things on the Chiefs, but the first one is Clyde Edwards-Elair. Last week, make or break for us in our hearts and in our souls and in our minds with him. He hit against a spot that he should hit. Um, I'd say that Philadelphia's best traits and best pieces are Fletcher Cox or Javon Hargrave up the middle. They've given everyone fits so far. So are we going back to the well in Clyde Edwards Elaire in week four? I'm just viewing him as like a boom bust RB2. The floor is really low because he's only gotten two screens this year, only five targets. So he needs to find the end zone. And they're, they're sprinkling in the other guys in the red area too. So right now he's RB32 in fantasy usage. Obviously when you're projected for 31 points, the second most of the week for the Chiefs, it's hard not to at least try to get Clyde Edwards Hilaire going. So I, I view him as a, a boom bust uh RB2. Yeah. Somebody oh, in the ML in the chat. Uh so good. You're you're a king. Do I start Miko Harmon or just leave the flex spot empty? Hey, this actually leads me over to this this point that uh and, and what the Chiefs did this week in signing uh Josh Gordon. Because Let's just take a big picture view and a, a narrative standpoint of, of why they did. Is this a reflection on Demarcus Robinson? Is it a reflection on Miko Hardman? Is this a long-term play? Because obviously Josh Gordon isn't going to play in this game. Andy Reid has basically alluded to it. Why do you think they made this move? Because 33% of Miko Hardman's targets are behind the line of scrimmage. And Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle are like bottom five, bottom 10 in yards per out run versus man coverage like for the last like two seasons. So they have nobody. Like right now, like I, I tweeted about this. Like there's just no depth. I watched you people went crazy on me. They have two elite players. Like sometimes you need like a third guy that's like capable. And right now they don't, they make McCole Hardman, all of this stuff is just like a jet sweep. That's how he's like getting open and earning these targets. It's all manufactured. So I think that kind of explains why Tyreek Hill is having a, a, a slower start. But at the same time, Tyreek Hill has 150 yards and three touchdowns this game. Like, are you going to be surprised? Hell no. So, like, obviously, you know what to do here. I would leave McCole Hardman on the bench. I don't think that he's earned uh, basically any targets downfield. I think they're just throwing darts um, to try because they know that there can be some stumbling blocks, some speed bumps in the first couple weeks. I personally don't know the status of Josh Gordon and, like, how good he can be now at his age 30 season after really not playing for a year and a half or – or two years, but credit to the chiefs for like trying something, you know? Yeah. I think you should pick them up in 12 team leagues. I, I think like the path is so obvious. Like they don't, you it, the answer is not DeMarcus Robinson. It's not Byron Pringle. It's not McCall Hardman. Like, I think like it's worth the risk. Like the second he's out there, he at least has more talent than at least Pringle and Robinson. So like 12 team, 14 teams, why not? Yeah. It's going to take a bit though. And they've tried it with Cornell Powell and that draft pick, and that didn't work out. They tried to push the narrative this summer as did the beat writers that Miko Harden was taking a step, and hey, it's just not working. And yeah. as great and as wonderful as that three-piece can be, having that extra one just would make them even more talented. Okay, speaking of uh, offensive 
issues. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles here. Um, Hayden, nothing is evolving for the Eagles right now. There was no motion, I believe, last week with Nick Sirianni and this Eagles offense. Only a couple running back runs. Jalen Hurts cannot match Patrick Mahomes throw for throw. And now you're down your vocal leader and Brandon Graham on the defense side of the ball. Brandon Brooks down at guard spot. Jordan Mailata down at left tackle. Isaac Sayumalu down at left guard. What went wrong last season that led to the demise of Doug Peterson, led them to benching their starting quarterback for Jalen Hurts? Hey, it's happening all over again. And here we are yeah. in week four against their toughest matchup of the season. That's three starters on the offensive line. I mean, that's that's brutal. And right now, I think their biggest problem, I hope I have it in here, it's Jalen Hurts is not seeing the field. And it's, I think it's a, a little bit of two things. He is kind of late on his reads, and he wants to bail out of the pocket. And this chart is showing you targets over the middle. And historically, targets over the middle are way more efficient than ones near the sideline. And the Eagles right now, less than 5% of their targets are over the middle of the field right now. That's just like unsustainable play. And especially when some of those are like Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins, like guys that you're like hoping could do something with it, it just makes it super tough. The one thing that I keep going back to with this matchup is, yes, the offensive line is a disaster. I'm literally worried that Jalen Hurts can get benched here at some point. But the Chiefs' run defense is so bad. I mean, their linebackers, bad. Their, their safety play right now is bad. They can't content, contain the edge. And that's where they're dead last rushing EPA. And they're 30th against fantasy quarterbacks. So I think that is Jalen Hurts is still very volatile. Like getting benched here, if the Chiefs are up by 25 points, is possible. Jalen Hurts running the ball for 120 yards, also totally in play. Like I'm very concerned about the Chiefs front seven right now. Based on their strength, the Eagles and the Chiefs' weaknesses, we will see very early on in the first half if Nick Sirianni has anything up his sleeve like has any idea of what to do with this offense. Because when you have such a clear negative currently for the Chiefs and it should be your strong suit and you don't take advantage of that or you don't create sustained drives of, I don't know, 7, 9, 11, 13 plays, that's not a good look. That's not a good sign. And But Hayden, a major part of that too is just going to be offensive line health and being most successful in that area. And they're already down to like their backups at three positions, which is, yeah. uh, which is dangerous, dangerous territory. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going downhill and that's, that's really, really scary for a team that has already been in conversations for other quarterbacks and that has already loaded up on a bunch of picks. And there was already buzz that the 2021 season was all about getting the 2022 season. Correct. Yeah, and they have because Carson Wentz looks like crap and they're going to get a first-round pick probably <laughs> from that or a second-round pick. It looks really bad. Uh, one last thing. We don't even have to talk about this much. Jay Glazer tripled down on his report that, Correct. that the Texans are now listening to trade offers. And Jay Glazer is like, this guy doesn't talk very much. Like He'll, he'll go to the gym for four weeks in a row, not come out with anything, and then all of a sudden just like drop the bombs on Aaron Rodgers and everybody else. Like This guy's super plugged in. The fact that he's tripling down to me is totally on the radar. So I think that maybe the Dolphins and the Eagles – those are the two teams to keep an eye on for a Deshaun Watson trade. And we have to re- remind ourselves, even if we don't think that Deshaun Watson could play, he's still not on the commissioner commissioner's exemplist. There's a chance, a small chance that he can get traded for and started. So uh, something to monitor at least. All right, let's jump now to the Washington football team. They're one and two against the Atlanta Falcons who pulled out a W last week. They're also one and two, but on the road, Washington is one and a half point favorites. 
a total of 47 and a half. It is not hyperbole, Hayden, to say that this is a clash of the potentially two most disappointing units in the NFL. Washington's defense with all of those first and second round picks and big time contracts versus the Falcons offense of Matt Ryan to part-time Cal Pitts to Calvin Ridley and the backfield split of Mike Davis and core Daryl Patterson. Where does the winning side fall into this equation, Hayden? It is. I don't understand it. So on Washington's side, they're basically playing off coverage a ton and their pass rushers can't get home because the ball is just out against like cover four. And if you, if you have to go follow coach Voss on Twitter, Deontay Lee, like these guys are like all in on the Washington defense, why it's struggling. So you have to go find out about that. But to me, this is just a game where, all right, Falcons, you're at home. Your offense could not get worse. So I'm looking for Matt Ryan to throw the ball to Calvin Ridley a couple more times. What's so frustrating to me, it's not just like the missed throws. And right right now, by the way, Matt Ryan's dead last and on target rate per uh, sports info solutions. And what's so frustrating is he has the lowest ADOT in the league too. So he's lowest ADOT and lowest on target rate. What? So um, this chart, this chart is just showing you uh it's called, I'll call it a shard because Calvin really is just being targeted near the line of scrimmage right now. Like nothing intermediate, nothing downfield. But with that said, he's still 50% air yard share. If they go throw the ball deep, it's going to be Calvin Ridley. So I think that Calvin Ridley is a buy low. I think that he's a, a wide receiver one here. I'm not afraid to go back to the well because the, the Falcons are leading or Calvin Ridley is leading the NFL in two wide receiver set routes. We know that's the most efficient route that there is. I have a little bit of faith that Matt Ryan's not totally cooked here. You can at least get the ball to Calvin Ridley. I try and sit back, you know, each Sunday when we do our, our instant reaction shows, then we review everything and, you know, combine usage with the data on Tuesdays in the game film to like try to blame this struggling unit early on the season on something. But I keep coming back to you, Hayden, it's on everyone. Like, I yes. think it's on, it's on Arthur Smith not utilizing the players correctly and not making things easy enough when you have great talent to so at least get them open and to get them in successful situations. I blame Matt Ryan a lot for having the lowest A dot in the NFL, for having his arm you know, disappear this summer. That 17-yard comeback out route that he threw to Calvin Ridley over and over and over again, that has vanished, Hayden. Yeah. Then I, I also blame it on the offensive line. I mean, Jalen Mayfield is one of the worst pass protecting guards in football. Matt Hennessy is not much better at center. And then you still have Caleb McGarry with stone in his feet at, at right tackle. Like there's just a bunch of issues and I don't know where the best success can have, but at the same time, Hayden people in, in Washington are furious about their defense as well. It's so vanilla at this moment. They have all these top players yet. None of it is, is working. So it should be with a total of 47 and a half, not massive, but it should be a get right spot for, for one of these places. What if we just have like a 10 nothing game and nothing gets right for the Falcons offense too? That's potential here. So. I mean, can we just not have Lee Smith be the one running mesh in the red zone? Like that's all I'm asking for. Like I want that to be Kyle Pitts. I don't want the fullback to be lined up in the slot running out routes. I want that to be Kyle Pitts. Like that's all I'm asking for, for Arthur Smith right now. Also every single week, love you all in the chat. Love you in my mentions. Get a lot of questions about Mike Davis. Hayden, both sides of the aisle, you know, zero running back and the running back ambassadors love running back targets. I believe Mike Davis is tied for third in the NFL in running back targets right now. Now, it doesn't totally help that Cordero Patterson, I believe, is tied for sixth in the NFL or around there in targets. So if all those are going to Mike Davis, boom, jackpot. 
But I don't think it's a Mike Davis problem. It's an Atlanta Falcons offense problem because he's still breaking tackles in a top five, top 10 rate in the NFL at his position. He's having to break those two yards in the backfield and not three yards down the field. You know, yeah. so it's limiting all of those big chances. And then because Arthur Smith can't get creative with anything, his only outlet is the magic in a bottle that somehow Cordero Patterson brings. So like that's his creative element at the moment is just putting the ball in Cordero Patterson's hands on screens on the outside and whip routes on the outside and in backfield touches. It's crazy. He's the most explosive player right now. Like, there's no denying that. And that's sad. It's like week three and Cordero Patterson's already a focal point of your offense. With that said, Mike Davis, he's had four red zone opportunities. He has not scored on any of those. And a lot of those came near the line of scrimmage. And like you said, I don't think that this is really a Mike Davis thing, but he's still breaking a ton of tackles. Um, I think that you should move him down to like the flex territory. He's not an RB2 right now, just because we don't know what to expect for this offensive line, especially against this defensive line. But when you are RB9 in fantasy usage through three weeks, I think it's still too early to completely write him off. Like, there's no Russell Gage. Olamide Zacchaeus is not a target accumulator. Hayden Hurst has basically been erased from the offense. They're not treating Kyle Pitts like uh, Darren Waller right now. So I think that there's still enough targets to go to Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson. They're just like, desperate for something out of uh, either one of these running backs. Yeah, it's, it's such a massive difference for Washington going from last week to Josh Allen and what he can do inside and outside versus what Matt Ryan's going to have here. I could see Washington's defense being the one that gets right in this spot too. 100%. I could totally see that. Um, let's talk about their offense real quick though, because Hayden, while that scoreboard, I think was like 35 to 14 or something like that, that didn't even feel it was that close when you watched that game because yeah. you had a crazy 70 yard screen to Antonio Gibson and then you had a crazy foe onside thanks to the wild mother nature with when pushing it back that you get at the 30 yard line as well that set up another touchdown run um, I think they had another touchdown there to Logan Thomas anyways uh, what we know about Taylor Heineke is weak arm but he's willing to try everything you know he's willing to escape the pocket He's willing to try to still throw vertically. He's really he's he's still trying to you know hit Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas in contested situations. But this still needs a jolt. You know it needs a jolt. And while Curtis Samuel will come back from injury reserve, hopefully at some point, there's nothing else in there right now. Like Dayami Brown is being shut out. Adam Humphreys is Adam Humphreys, and then J.D. McKissick when he's in negative game script is a good player. But you know to me they're they're going to be most successful at this moment if they can get an early lead and really use Antonio Gibson how they want to be. Yeah, but they're still giving Antonio Gibson like a very defined role. Like J.D. McKissick's yep. still out there for all, all of his stuff. They, get, they got Antonio Gibson on that screen, but that was an awesome play call because there was a corner blitz on that side, and, and you always want to be throwing towards the blitz side. So it was like the perfect play call, and that's why Antonio Gibson went to the house. One note, really weird, Terry McLaurin, only 4% of his targets have traveled 20-plus air yards downfield. Like, Get this guy cooking downfield a little bit. I don't know if that's just because Taylor Heineke, Taylor Heineke can't throw that far, but they need to get Terry McLaurin down the field more. So I think that right now we've seen it for the last two years with bad quarterback play. Terry McLaurin's a boom bust wide receiver too. He's good enough to win with bad quarterbacks because he's awesome out there. But I like to see him get cooking downfield a little bit more, and hopefully that Heineke can kind of figure that out. Yeah, as our guy Hectic Eclectic says in the chat, Antonio Gibson sounds like he had a tough day at practice today. So uh, that's something to monitor as we go along until Sunday. Noted. All right. Before we move on, need all of you fools that are not subscribed to change that. 81% of you watching right now. I'll repeat it. 
are not subscribed to this channel, we love you. We want you to be a part of this journey with us. Thanks for pushing us over 5,000 subscribers. It actually means a lot. Hayden, I love doing this. We're having a blast. And uh, I'm glad you all participate so much when we do these live shows. And we got plenty of clips on the site as well. And by the way, Best Ball Resurrection, it's alive. You talk about midseason best ball. I know a lot of you are missing drafting during the summer. You need that shot of dopamine. Boom. Best Ball Resurrection is right there. It's $10 to enter. 20000 to first place, 10000 to second, 5000 4000 3000 after that. But yes, that is a week six to week 17 contest. Best ball on underdog fantasy. Again, enter promo code the show if you're a first-time depositor and you get a free entry, free $10. So go and try it out. Go draft right now. There's some game theory involved in terms of drafting now versus drafting in week five. Like right now, it's like, what do you do with Chuba Hubbard? Christian McCaffrey's kind of hurt. Like Christian McCaffrey's not even the first overall pick. I think that he's going to be back by week six. And then we all we, we always know that Christian McCaffrey's first overall. So there's like a lot of things. So you're drafting now, but the season doesn't start till week six. So I would say get in there, do a couple drafts before week four starts. Play like all of these like injuries, um, know the depth charts, that type of thing. And kind of, I would say definitely buy low on these rookies. Like all the rookies are, are sucking right now. So like Jamar Chase and Najee Harris. Scoop up a little bit of somebody else, like a Devonta Smith, somebody later in the season. We always know the post-buy rookie bumps coming. Yeah. Keep buying loan the Bills receivers, too. Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders are, like, right around wide receiver 50. Wide receiver 40. So, it's uh, it's wild. Okay. Let's talk about those Buffalo Bills. Because they're favored by 16 against the Houston Texans, a 47 total. Uh, again, the Bills are 2-1. and one, And positive regression, which is a term that I always have difficult time wrapping my brain around, but you old nerds say it all the time, so I'll repeat it. Uh, it hit. It hit for Josh Allen. It, it hit for this offense. And they'll definitely ride that here. Hayden, I'm not going to ask you if they're going to cover the 16, but where the Bills are successful and where they're going to win, especially at home, that can continue this week. Your thoughts. Well, I mean, you know who to start here. The question is, are you starting Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders? To me, the answer for both is yes. And the reason why is Lovey Smith always has played cover two zone. He's leading the NFL in cover two zone. And right now, Cole Beasley has a 2.65 yards per route run versus zone coverage. That's under one for man coverage. And last year, Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders were top 10 versus zone coverage. Even Cole Beasley was like top 10 in yards against cover two zone defenses in, in general last year. So I think this is a perfect week, the high total, the zone defense, you want Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley in your lineups. The question becomes, is it Zach Moss week? And I picked up Zach Moss in one of my leagues and I, I had to start him because I had some injuries at running back. I don't feel great about that, but 16 point uh, home favorites to me, this screams like a Zach Moss week, right? Yeah, a lot of people, when you see that significant of a spread, just assume it's going to be, running back weeks. And I think that's the case when they're up by that 16 points in the fourth quarter, but we always just love points and not all those points are going to go to the running back position. So this would never ever deter me from starting the likes of Emmanuel Sanders and Colby's oh, yeah. and Stefan Diggs that you're talking about because points are points and they're going to be put up early on the scoreboard. And that's going to go through the passing game. Um, yeah. yeah. What we have seen in recent weeks is fourth quarter usage going to Zach Moss. I mean, that's how he got those two touchdowns in week two. Then in week three, he had a broken play pass for and receiving touchdown uh, and getting the end zone. So I, if I had to start one of these two backs, it would be Zach Moss over Devin Singletary. Same. But 
I, I wouldn't really pay too much attention to your box score until about the third or the fourth quarter for those to hit. Yep. We'll note Texans are 30th in rushing EPA defense. Breaking news, Texans cannot play the run. By the way, a lot of people wondering, how did Emmanuel Sanders break already the broken age model out there? Uh, he said he's gotten faster by not eating pancakes. Words to live by. Words to live by, Hayden Winks. I love that you outlined, though, like why he is successful and why Cole Beasley is successful versus maybe Stefan Diggs in terms of finding those really soft spaces in zone coverage. Because we also know when they face man coverage teams, Stefan Diggs is a player who's absolutely so insane in terms of ISO ball. So having both of those types is uh, is glorious. And yeah. Dawson Knox quietly, Hayden, becoming a little bit relevant here as a third-year tight end, as a super athlete who barely caught any passes at Ole Miss. That's just a name I'm monitoring along the likes of like Tyler Conklin and Mike Gesicki as we move forward in like that vein of the position. Fine. Better than better than Gabriel Davis. Um, other thing with, with Emmanuel Sanders, like, yeah, why would you eat pancakes when waffles exist? Yeah, rank these, chat. Waffles, French toast, pancakes. Because for me, the top two, clearly, and then pancakes are just syrup sponges. And that's all that yeah. they are. Disgusting. Uh, shout out Hawaiian French toast. Have you ever had the Hawaiian uh, rolls, like the little like sweet yeah. rolls? It, uh, restaurants out there have them. Hawaiian French toast, like cannot beat that. It's, it's French toast, waffles, and then never eat pancakes. Anything to say? About the Texans, because the Bills defense, as much as we talk about the offense, the Bills defense is a top five unit. Like they have the potential to end okay. the season with two top five units. We saw Davis Mills and, and Brandon Cooks, you know, get home last week against Carolina. How much Brandon Cooks is being targeted, which is the highest in the NFL in terms of his peers, is crazy. Um, I you have no choice other than to start him despite, you know, oh, yeah. the projected points, the tough matchup, all that stuff. I just looked, he's leading the NFL in target share on non-pressured throws. And that's to me, just like first read 40% targets and he's top 10 in usage and air yards and all that stuff. Like, yeah, you just plug your nose. It's Tredavious white season on the road with a 15 point total, but you know, Brandon cooks is going to get 150 air yards. So yeah, he's a, he's a top 20 guy. All right. I think we're five games in and 42 minutes into the show. Hayden's not uh, great. We're setting records. <laughs> Exactly. Let's now go to the Chicago Bears as three-point favorites at home against the 0-3 Lions, a total of 42 in this game. Hayden, Matt Nagy says he is seriously considering going back to Andy Dalton, and if Andy Dalton isn't healthy after a limited practice, Nick Foles, your thoughts? Well, first off, watch the All-22. Justin Fields was really bad. I mean, really bad. so bad. And what was so frustrating is he has all the talent in the world. He was not throwing the ball into tight windows. Like there was like a, a Cole Komet was like wide open on a third and eight. Couldn't hit him. There was like a play action over the middle. You got to hit that. A deep outbreaking route. You have to like let go of the ball. And he has the the accuracy and the, the arm talent to go out and do that stuff. So um, I, I, Matt Nagy's game plan was was bad. It wasn't so bad. Like he led the NFL in bootlegs, RPOs, all that stuff. He had eight of them. That was number one last week. And he didn't even have as many dropbacks as a lot of these quarterbacks. So um, to me, it was just like Jason Peters getting absolutely cooked. The Browns off or defensive line looking awesome. Denzel Ward shutting out Allen Robinson and nothing was getting open. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they went to freaking Andy Dalton here at all. Like Justin Fields to me did not look ready at all and i i'm very concerned that he is like has could get benched in the middle of this game even if he does start i'll throw out this comment maybe matt nagy is right for not putting justin fields on the 
on the playing field. He was that bad. I hate to say it. it. it Nothing was quick. Nothing was fast. And then, again, those wild card traits that he has in terms of elusiveness, that didn't pay off either. They were most successful on like their first couple drives with running with David Montgomery. And that was it. Um, Still, though, Matt Nagy right now looks like an absolute idiot. One, because he's not subscribed to this channel, but also because of the game plan that he put in place last week. And then also how he's talking about it. You know, that's what's frustrating, how how he just thinks he has like state secrets and how it's a competitive advantage to not reveal any information. As soon as a coach does that, you're done. Like you have nothing else left to offer. And it's amazing to me how long Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have lasted together. But it's gotten to a point where not even just saving your first round quarterback for 2022 is going to save your job. Like this has to be fixed at all costs because you have all these pieces and Hey, this also might be the last year we have Allen Robinson on this team. Oh, he's gone. He's not resigning with the bears. He's out of there. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Okay. What about, but a lot of people, okay. If you have Allen Robinson, we're going to talk about this on our Sunday show for start sits, by the way, I think we need to gauge and set the Allen Robinson line of starts, you know, because it's gotten to that point, like maybe Allen Robinson versus Devontae Smith is a conversation to have. It's Allen Robinson to me. I mean, we're talking about the freaking Lions here. And the Lions, number one cornerback, is out for the year. And their guy that came in to fill in, he was uh, injured too. So, I mean, like, it's the freaking Lions at home. And it's Allen Robinson for crying out loud. So, like, to me, you have to start him. Like, I don't, like, I would start Odell over Allen Robinson. But, like, oh, I saw are you both Bills wide receivers, well, all three of them over Allen Robinson. I would. I would go. I would go Allen Robinson over Emmanuel Sanders. Um, but yeah, like, I think like he's like a, a boom bust wide receiver two three in a great matchup uh, at home here. Like he, they need to figure it out. Right now, he just needs to get targeted downfield a little more often. And they're putting him in the slot last week and running like option routes. That's not Allen Robinson's game. Like Allen Robinson's not cooking people's ankles at the line of scrimmage. He's like a jump ball guy, uh, awesome in traffic, that type of stuff. And they're just not using him that way. So hopefully, this is the game against the freaking Lions where they can turn it around. Allen Robinson over Robbie Anderson. These, again, are all questions we'll cover yes. on our Start Set show, which starts at 10 a.m. on Sundays here on this channel. Let's talk about the Lions' offense. It's really defined right now, and so defined, maybe getting more clear because the Lions, through Dan Campbell, are going to get DeAndre Swift even more involved. We've seen a significant split, and both have been successful with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, both in the run game, because as we've alluded to, when the scripts are neutral, the Lions offensive line is creating a lot of space for these guys to run into, and both are talented runners, but especially in thirds and fourth quarters and two-minute situations and when they get you know, in NASCAR turbo packages. Uh, DeAndre Swift is cooking yep. on linebackers, on safeties that give him space, and then he's able to make one move and create even more yards after the catch. So, Hayden, I know right now in Best Ball Resurrection, DeAndre Swift is going as like the running back 12, there's absolutely a chance he finished the season at least as a top 10 running back, if not a top eight running back, even though the Lions truly might go one and 16, two and 15. Yep. He's RB six in fantasy usage right now before the quotes RB six in fantasy. Usage. And that's because he's averaging 7.7 targets per game. And like, it's just like game script plus Deandre Swift can play a little bit. The offensive line is not a disaster. So in positive game scripts, he can be the goal line back. And then in negative game scripts, we know that, it's the answer is not the, the the Lions wide receivers right now. So I would like to see a study. If you if you're trying to become a fantasy analyst, do this study for me, please. I want wider <laughs> wide receivers. 
our running backs, when running backs have like 100 plus targets, I want to see which wide receivers were on that team because I, those James White years, it was really bad. JD McKissick last year, they couldn't throw the ball, so they had to give it to, to JD McKissick. We're seeing that with DeAndre Swift. So I think that there we need to investigate when there's should bad we, wide receivers. Yeah, should we remove, target the running backs? Should we remove like great running backs from that? Like, yes, like Christian the random guys. And DJ Moore, we yeah. should remove Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, like those. Yes, just like the random ones that pop off. The next JD McKissick, I can guarantee you it's just because they have no wide receiver depth. And I would also throw in maybe a factor of garbage time and how many like oh, yeah. extreme negative game scripts they had in the fourth quarters in those contests. Because again, Washington was in that last year and the Lions are in that this year too. Yeah, it's the same thing. But but JD McKissick can't run between the tackles like the other stuff. So okay. Cool to jump to the next game. It's a doozy. Indianapolis Colts 0 and 3. Miami Dolphins, two point favorites at home with a total of 42 and a half. In this game, uh, Hayden, let's talk about the Dolphins since they're favored at first. Jacoby Brissett had a miserable yards per attempt last week. He had 49 passes thrown, but there were also moments where he was like hitting on crucial fourth downs. It's like a fourth and three, then like a fourth and 20 that he converted. And just based on those two plays, he has more playmaking ability in his feet and his arm than Carson Wentz has showed all season long. Um, yeah. Again, this is a teeny tiny total. But this one is simple to me, that Brian Flores feasts on bad quarterbacks, especially ones who can't move and their offensive line is injured and playing poorly at this moment. So can the Dolphins do just enough offensively to like score 21, 23 points, maybe even get a defensive touchdown in there? And I'm leaning towards yes. Yeah, I think so, too. This is not going to be a good game for the Colts. Uh, Braden Smith, the right tackle, still is not practicing. Quinton Nelson's probably not going to play. This week, Eric Fisher looks bad. Um, so right now, it's just like Michael Pittman season, Jonathan Taylor season, and that's about it. But like Jonathan Taylor season is just like it's all volume and not that much production. So he'll get luckier with touchdowns. Um, I will say Michael Pittman, wide receiver, 17 targets, wide receiver, 22 air yards. He has he's been missed on a couple throws, but he's turning into like a every week wide receiver three, very volume dependent. Um, and this is not going to be an easy matchup for him against like a lot of press man coverage. But Michael Pittman, I think, is like the all of the uh, volume stats are really, really strong for him. Yeah. But if you thought that Carson Wentz already had sand in his feet and stayed planted too long in the pocket, just look at him now. It was so yeah. bad last yeah. week. Like not if anything goes wrong and he panics just a little bit, he's throwing to the ball into the ground at the line of scrimmage. And then they like play the next series and the next down. Um, and I, again, I just think Brian Flores is going to give him a nightmare. Going to yes. give him a nightmare this yes. weekend. Um, and for the Colts, Darius Leonard was one of the nine Colts players that did not practice on Wednesday. Quentin Nelson is not expected to play this weekend as well. Nothing's going according to plan here. And like, it's so defined that when they're down on the scoreboard, the nine Hines is in the ballgame, as you mentioned. And we've just gotten like in situations early in the season where it could have gone right for Jonathan Taylor. And he's still reeling off 15, 20 plus yard runs because he's a talented player. He just wasn't able to hit home in those like small sample sizes so far. Yeah. I just don't know how many they're going to have as the season goes along. So. Yep. And then like uh, the Dolphin side, it's, it's, there's still a lot of problems to like Will right. Fuller did not practice today. Um, yeah, this is a very like just don't watch this game, please. And very much monitoring the volume that's headed in the direction of Jalen Waddle and Jacoby Brissett from Jacoby Brissett and to Mike Kosicki, like during this quarterback change. Because it seems like it's somewhat of a different offense than what they were running with with Tua. Now, 
it's a lot of targets. It's a lot of opportunities, but not down the field. But maybe that changes. Maybe that changes this week. Okay. Another game with a tiny total of 42. The Saints at home are seven and a half point favorites. They are two and one against the O and three New York Giants. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, the interior of that Giants defensive line are one of the best duos in the NFL. Hayden, I say that because Eric McCoy, the Saints center, and offensive tackle Teron Armstead have both been missing practice this week. And this Saints offense, just 63 pass attempts through three games. Wild. Absolutely wild. So their offense still goes through the running game. Do they have enough to do it against the Giants? Because that's the clear game plan here. Definitely. I'm definitely watching the offensive line problems for the Saints, but the Giants also have offensive line problems. Their center, Nick Gates, out for the year. Shane LeMahieu out. The fill-in left guard, he's probably out with a hand injury as well. There's no Sterling Shepard. There's no Darius Slayton. And the Saints play a ton of press man coverage. And I'm not sure if Kenny Galladay could beat man coverage against Marshawn Lattimore right now. And I'm not sure if Daniel Jones can get him the ball either. So, like, I think this is going to be a very sloppy game for the Giants on the road. The first game, the Saints are back after being on the road for over a month. I think it's going to be Alvin Kamara for a nuclear game. He's RB6 in carries, team high, 22% target rate. And the Giants are missing linebacker Blake Martinez as well. So lots of injuries to go around here. I think ultimately it's going to be Sean Payton versus Joe Judge. And give me the points with, with Sean Payton this week, it's not going to be pretty for the Giants. Yeah, maybe an up-downs, Joe Judge can beat him there, but uh, definitely on the coaching side, I'm going to give that to uh, Sean Payton. It is kind of amazing. Again, I want to reiterate that Jameis Winston has only attempted 63 passes through three games, uh, and we're still getting vintage Jameis Winston in terms of when there's oh, yeah. chaos. Uh, he is losing his marbles and throwing balls up, and last week it worked against not Marcus Callaway in the back <laughs> of the end zone, and as soon as he was trotting off and celebrating, Sean Payton basically grills him on the sideline and being like, what the hell are you doing? Because so that good. was successful, but then in week two, it was highly unsuccessful when he was doing those same fallaway moonshot rainbow balls, and uh, bad things bad things were happening, but I guess that's what we can expect here with this offense. We are seeing a little bit more Taysom Hill and, and red zone situations, but it, I think it truly is like Sean Payton doing as much as he can with good blocking for Jameis Winston and then like also reining him in just enough where like terrible things can't happen. And it also helps that like the defense is getting healthier as we they look good. Along. The defense looks the same team looks really good. Speaking of coaching, maybe a little infighting here on the New York Giants side. They punted at the Falcons 39 yard line last week. Jason Garrett was asked why they did that. He said, those are Joe Judge's decisions. Don, Don, which is crazy. And I can't believe I'm saying this, Hayden. The piece that should not get blamed for any of this to me might be Daniel Jones. Like, I go back and watch those games. Daniel Jones had some great runs in week two. He had some great throws in week three. Again, nothing is going correctly along the offensive line. And as we alluded to in our usage show and our instant reaction show, Saquon Barkley looks all the way back in terms of his explosion and his athleticism. But I think they even know that it's going to be a lot of short runs, a lot of short losses, and then he's going to have to reel off a big play either in the screen game or on the ground for 30 or 40 yards. You're not starting him, but it is Kadarius Tony week, you know? Like, he's going to be out there. has to be. Like, it's literally – he's. I think he led the Giants in routes run last week, and he's going to have a full-time role here, and he's not getting shadow coverage – by Marshawn Lattimore. So th- they're going to get Kadarius Tony cooking 
I don't know what the results of that will be. To me, this is just like Alvin Kamara versus Saquon Barkley. That's it. Last one o'clock game. Tennessee Titans, seven-point favorites on the road. They're 2-1 and one now after that week one loss. 44 total against the winless New York Jets. Hey, and a couple of facts at you that might make this game interesting, and these are courtesy of our buddy Cleve TA. Teams off of a shutout, shutout loss, which the Jets are, the trend is now they're 21-6 and six against the spread since 2015. I say that fact, but then think where like the Titans shine. And I don't know if the Jets have like the personnel to shut down Derrick Henry heading into this contest. Your thoughts? I love Club TA, and that's why the Jets are my underdog of the week, catching no. seven and a half points, bounce back season. I am feeling kind of good because the Titans are probably without A.J. Brown. Uh, Bud Dupree didn't practice. Caleb Farley didn't practice. Julio Jones didn't practice. Taylor Lewan didn't practice. Ryan Tannehill's 21st in EPA, 25th in completion percentage over expected. The lead, the Titans leader in routes last week was Nick Westbrook Akine. I like Chester Rogers. Like these guys, I don't know. And we saw the Titans neutral pe- uh, pace tick down. I'm not sure if Todd Downing's the answer. To me, the Titans are exploitable on both sides of the ball. This is like classic uh, offense for the Jets where the Titans are running a pretty basic scheme. Three, three man fronts. They don't blitz that much. Lots of man coverage. And then here comes Corey Davis, who is a wide receiver three with upside. And you're going to see your first okay game from Zach Wilson. It's all possible. I mean, the Titans certainly don't have a top 10 defense. They did rush the passer really well last week. And Harold Landry, I think he had like a dozen quarterback pressures, basically. Um, They do blitz at a really, really high rate. So if the Jets are going to win, like you're mentioning, Zach Wilson to Corey Davis has to be huge. Elijah Moore is probably going to miss this game with a concussion. Maybe Jamison Crowder slots back in there as well. Um, Michael Carter hasn't really started to get going at all. And I just don't know if they have enough options. But you mentioned – I just mentioned the options on the Jets, and you mentioned them in the Titans. They're all gone. They're right? all gone. It, it kind of seems trending towards both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones missing this game. I don't know where Mike Vrabel stands on the spectrum of, well, you need to practice to play. Because, like, we could see Sean McVay and Brandon Staley not have their guys practice all week and then play on Sundays, you know? But I'm not yeah. sure if that's the case here with the Titans. Um, yeah, I mean, you, why why trade for Julio Jones if you're not going to play the person that's not going to practice? Like, you, you know what you're signing up for with Julio Jones. So yeah, I think the Titans are desperate. It's going to be Derrick Henry for 30 carries here up the middle. And I think that Robert Sala is going to have a decent game plan. And, like, it's they know what's coming. It's just, like, stop Derrick Henry. And obviously, like, easier said than done. Or, uh, But, like... Ryan Tannehill's not playing that well right now either. Oh, I disagree. I thought Ryan Tannehill played awesome last week with all those weapons. Like, shout out to Ryan Tannehill. He was putting passes pinpoint. I I don't want week one to, like, get in the way of this. It's just going to be much more difficult a second week in a row doing that in the second halves without A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Yeah, and on the road trap game, this is just like this is screaming to me. Everything's kind of clicking for the Jets to get, like, one of their only wins of the season here. Yeah, and I I know that. Zach Wilson was a bit of a punching bag and interception machine early on, but they faced three top 10 defenses to start the season. And again, the the Titans don't have that. Um, And they get absolutely screwed in those matchups when they have a third and long situation. I don't know if you ever looked at that when it's like third, nine, third, 11, third and 13. And like Von Miller is pinning his ears back. The Panthers are doing in week one. And as soon as he doesn't see his primary read or if that gets taken away, then he's getting sacked because he's double clutching. He's dropping his eyes and boom, he's going down. Interesting. 
What a weird underdog. I think I'm 3-0 on underdogs this year and haven't said mine yet today. Here we go. Four o'clock games. But before we get to four o'clock games, do want to tell you all, you can get a free $10 on Underdog Fantasy using promo code THE SHOW. Go try out Best Ball Resurrection. I know that you are missing your drafts, those streams over the summer, but also go put it and pick them. You can turn that 10 bucks into 200 in one night. As this is going along right now for Thursday Night Football, there's a ton of lines out there. Or you can wait until the weekend. We have so many fun lines. There's rivals as well. So go and check that out. And by the way, we're giving away a free t-shirt only today. Only today. If you go into your account page that also then says refer a friend, share that with a friend. For every friend that you get, it's 10 bucks and a t-shirt. There it is. Only this Thursday. Only today on September 30th. Four o'clock games. Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams. Let's roll with this one, Hayden Winks. 55 total. Both teams are 3-0. The Rams are at home, and they're favored by four and a half points. This is everything we could have hoped for in a week four contest when we thought about this game in August. Kyler Murray playing at an MVP level. Matthew Stafford showing the ceiling of Sean McVay's offense. When you imagine this game and how it can unfold, Hayden, what stands out to you? I think the Rams probably should be favored for a couple more points than they are right now. I like their matchups on offense here. We know that Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup are balling out right now. We should expect that to continue against a um, pretty below average uh, cornerback group for the Cardinals. And the big thing is the Cardinals run defense is really bad. And uh, in fact, they're so bad that teams against them are running the ball at the highest rate in neutral situations because they know they can run the ball against them. So I'm I'm definitely monitoring Daryl Henderson's rib injury. He was limited on Wednesday. If Sony Michelle is by himself out there, I view him as an upside RB2. I think he's somebody that you should be picking up in most situations. So we'll see what the Daryl Henderson stuff looks like. But I think that the, the Rams could either pass the ball if they want to or run the ball if they want to. I think that the Cardinals could rush the edge rushers or they have a good edge rushers. But outside of that, they don't really have the the, the pieces of like a well-rounded defense right now. You mentioned the Rams running backs, how we don't know Daryl Henderson's status at this moment based on his pass protection and just based on playing so well last week. Sonny Michelle is going to earn more snaps because the last time we did see a healthy Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle in week one, Daryl Henderson, I think, had like a 94% snap rate. I think it's going to be much closer to 60-40, even when Daryl Henderson is back into this field. And if you would allow me, Hayden, the starting running back on this team is going to get a Benji this week. I, I can't say who that is. In this moment, I will pinpoint that on Sunday morning for all of you out there. But I think this adds up perfectly. We've seen the Rams unload to Cooper Cup down the field, Deshaun Jackson. But what James Robinson and someone on this very preview show predicted that James Robinson would have a great week last week. It could happen with Sony Michelle. It, it looks great. And I think so much of it, while we're talking about the weapons, while we're talking about Cooper Cup emerging, while Sean McVay, offensive line for the Rams is playing so well. Yeah. And that just allows you to stay in exactly the same mode and vein that you want to for for an entire contest. And it's shocking, but actually the Cardinals secondary is like playing at a top 10 level too, which I still don't understand. I still don't get it, but like your spreadsheets, the stats are pointing in that direction. I'll, I'll sell that though. You know, like I just don't, I just don't buy that. Um, their, their edge rushers are good. N- nothing else is bad. And when you're watching this game, watch the Cardinals linebackers. Like they seem completely lost right now. So I, I like this Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson 
uh, Benji call real quick. I, you still have to start Robert Woods. I know it's been frustrating. Um, I don't think that his 20% target share is going to hold up the entire season. He's too good for that. And Tyler Higby is running around on 80% of dropbacks. I think that he's a top 10 tight end, especially against uh, these linebackers right now. So um, I think it's a start every week for, for the Rams. Yeah. On the Cardinals end, Jandre Hopkins did return to practice. Justin Pugh, Kevin Beachman, and Justin Murray, three pieces along the offensive line, are out for Kyler Murray. Don't worry. All you have to do is block Aaron Donald this week and company. And uh, yeah, we're seeing Kyler Murray play at a MVP level. But Hayden, what this Cardinals offense does is create big plays in a whole bunch of different ways. It's like elaborate, extended plays that Kyler Murray gets to Rondell Moore. It's Christian Kirk down the slot. It's deep shots to other portions of the field as well. Maybe the one piece that I am tracking is once again, Jalen Ramsey's usage in this contest, because we've seen him in over 50% of his snaps this year, line up in the slot. So on paper, that would be against Christian Kirk mainly, but also Rondo Moore at times. But then last year when Brandon Staley was the coach of this defense, he lined up against DeAndre Hopkins for 62 routes. So yeah. like, do they change what their approach has been for the first three weeks or is it working so well so far that they're okay with having DeAndre Hopkins against a, a lesser corner and AJ Green against a lesser corner on the outside? Yeah, the Rams are playing a lot of zone defense, so I don't think it like matters that much for Christian Kirk. But why wouldn't if they're going to shadow somebody? Why don't they sh- shadow the Cardinals' number one outside receiver, AJ Green? He's leading the team in targets and air yards and red zone targets right now. So like that's the question I would be concerned with. Forgot my sunglasses somewhere. I was also about to think you were going to go in the direction of Christian Kirk, who's balling out. And in the slot as well. And I know a lot of people saw rushing touchdowns for James Conner and, and, you know, opportunities for Chase Edmonds, who actually got a red zone touch last week. I believe it seems to be like between the twenties, Chase Edmonds is your guy. And especially in the receiving game. And then once they get inside the 10 yard line, Kyler Murray is always the primary there, but then James Conner has those opera opportunities. I can't wait for this game. I can't wait for this game. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. I think it's a, a week to start Chase Edmonds. If he's like a kind of a fringe uh, flex guy, he is the passing game guy. I think that the Cardinals are going to be trailing here. And the zone coverage defense, cover two up top, cover four quarters, all that stuff, that in, like invites little check downs to Chase Edmonds. And I know everyone like keeps trying to impart this massive workload onto Rondell Moore, but Hayden, just like Bench. based on the usage where we're at, I, I, I can't start him on a weekly basis. And yeah, I said the Bench. same thing last week after his monster – you know, week two, I just can't, it's it's not in how I figure out lineup decisions for half a player like that to be in my starting lineup each and every week. Yeah. So, bench hold. Sorry to say that. Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are two and a half point favorites. I will repeat this from the top of the show. Russell Wilson has never lost three regular season games in a row. Hayden, he has tied one. I think he's seven. Oh, and one in those situations. So what happens here for a Seattle Seahawks team that had six points in the second half in week two, zero points in the second half in week three. It's crazy. We've seen Russ have great starts to the seasons and then bad second half. And we've seen the opposite bad starts and good second halves. Now what Shane Waldron has done is condense that into individual games where they're really good in the first half and then can't put any points in the scoreboard in the second half. What gives when you watch this team? It's a very confusing team. They're very explosive, but it's just kind of inconsistent play. I think that this week you're going to see Chris Carson get going. The 49ers, lots of zone defense. 
and they're second in neutral run rate allowed, which means offenses are choosing to run the ball against the 49ers. So I think that you can see Chris Carson get, get involved here and Tyler Lockett has been very good against zone coverage historically. And he went for 12 90 and two against the 49ers last time they played. So I think, yeah, we know who to start on, on uh, the Seahawks here. I think that Russell Wilson's like a low end quarterback one this week. And I think a lot of it's on the defense too, where, I mean, they, they can hit big plays, obviously, with Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf did that last week, and Tyra Lockett did in the first two weeks. And it's amazing that his injury didn't seem as severe as it felt in the moment. But that defense for Seattle was brutal last week. I mean, for Minnesota, it was drives of nine plays, 12 plays, 16 plays, 11 plays. So when you, like, shorten games and only give your opponents three or four drives per half, that sucks. That absolutely sucks. Um, let's talk about... The 49ers offense, because I have difficulties like watching this team at times, Hayden, because in week two, they should have lost that game against the Eagles. And then we get to week three and then Jimmy makes more mistakes down the field. Granted, great plays from Jalen Alexander, but and this might be too simplistic, but my brain works this way at times. I feel like in every single contest, we have seen Kyle Shanahan create openings outside the numbers and downfield in the first couple of drives, and then more often than not, and especially in week two, Jimmy just flat out missed them. And so rather than Kyle saying, okay, he's not on point today, he puts on the training wheels and says, we're going to run a bunch of screens. We're going to run the ball really well, even though they don't really have that many names they trust right now back there. And we're going to grind out difficult wins. Like that's good coaching in some ways, but it's also a limiting offense to what it could be in other situations. Yeah, I mean, we know that Jimmy G is can move the ball efficiently, but he's not going to create outside of him, outside of like him, outside of the structure. And uh, we have to watch George Kittle. Shanahan said that he should be all right, but he did not practice with a calf injury on Wednesday. Um, so yeah, that's something to monitor. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, ninety-four percent routes, thirteen point six expected half PPR points last week. If you need a starter. This would be the week to do it. Debo Samuel, though, has 100 yards in each of his last two games against Seattle. I don't think, like you were saying, George, or um, Jimmy Garoppolo could support all three of these guys in a given week. It's going to be very yeah. boom-bust for all of them. Um, but, like you said, the Seahawks' defense right now is just getting completely obliterated. 25th in uh, passing EPA defense right now. So, if you have them, I'd start them. But you have to know, even like Debo Samuel, who's been awesome, it's definitely boom bust just because Jimmy G is not a consistent passer right now. If we get Eli Mitchell, I'm in favor of starting him in your lineups. I truly feel Hayden based on the usage of Kyle Juszczyk last week, that yes. they still don't truly trust Trey Sermon for sure. And that half per like 50% usage for Kyle Juszczyk is more of an indictment on Trey Sermon than it is on like the other names on the roster, you know? Yep. Um, where are we at on Brandon Ayuk? I think you play him if you need a flex guy. Like he had the role that you drafted him for. So if you think that Brandon Ayuk's really good at the game, then start him. Like he's he ran around ninety four percent of dropbacks last week. So yeah, if you drafted him, you probably get him in there. Speaking of quarterbacks, trust issues I have moving forward with Kyle Shanahan. He flat out lied to us this week. He's been asked like, "Well, you showed in the preseason in those games of." switching in individual drives, switching in the red zone, putting Trey Lance out there. Cal Basie flat out says, Trey's our backup quarterback. This isn't the preseason. We aren't going to go back and forth the whole time. 
He also then told us that he lied to the media, that at points he said, oh, yeah, this is a quarterback competition. At points he said, oh, I'm going to use him sparingly and in certain situations. That makes sense. Hayden, it certainly sounds like, one, he doesn't believe Trey Lance is ready, which is totally fair. But two, like, just keep going in this monotonous, sleep-inducing method. It wins games. It grinds it out. But, man, that's not why I watch football. I want excitement. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. He's not going to play until Jimmy G looks really bad. Yeah. Well, some might argue in week two he did look really bad. Okay. I know this didn't sound like it, but I'm picking Seattle as my underdog of the week. I have no reason why other, other, other than very convincing. Everybody. Yeah. Make sure you get on that. Hey, I'm three and oh, there you go. About to be four and oh, I'm just betting against the history of Russell Wilson, not winning three, not losing three straight games. Uh, okay. Baltimore and Denver, Denver actually at home. Again, we know they're three and oh, they're one point favorites, total of 45. Hey, and a huge part of Teddy's game right now is a great offensive line and being able to go through all of his reads. And he's doing that a really crisp way and then getting down to his check down in a lot of situations. And then in those like minor instances where he's not getting great protection, he's somehow like creating space for him. When we talk about injuries across the league, injuries are hitting this Broncos team hard. Dalton Reisner, offensive lineman, appears to be hurt. We know about Jerry Judy and we know about KJ Hamler now as well. Again, it's one point favorites against the Ravens. That's a lot of respect for the Broncos. It is a lot of respect. The Broncos defense, that's like they are playing lights out. And they're playing more man coverage than you're kind of used to because they have like the, the cornerback depth, like really showcase that offense. But on offense for the Broncos, I'm expecting more 12 personnel usage from them. You're going to get a little bit more Noah Fant. I hope he's tied in nine in targets. I can see that being closer to like top five because it's just Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Albert O's out there. But I think that Noah Fant is somebody that could earn way more uh, of a workload. So I think that you're obviously starting Cortland Sutton. He has a 21% target share right now. Like there's no way that doesn't go up with all these injuries. So I think Cortland Sutton's in a good spot. Noah Fant's in a good spot. And then if you need a running back, to me, there's no way that you can uh, be ranking Javante over MG3 right now. Both got in the end zone last week. Both are playing really well, but for some reason, like, the community still says, well, Javante is going to be the guy. Like, this is the upside pick. It kind of makes Melvin Gordon still remain underrated. He's a huge, huge part of, of this offense. Um, what about in the Ravens end here, Hayden? Because Lamar Jackson, I mean, after week one, I was like, with all the injuries, it was going to go downhill. He's doing everything. I mean, yep. I think it's just Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, one other player, and he's fourth in rushing yards right now. And he's like one of the most efficient throwers in the NFL at the moment, especially throwing downfield. And that is after Marquise Brown struggle city last week. He's going to need it all against Vic Fangio who doesn't allow big plays, but where the Broncos are probably at their weakest, it's the interior defensive line and the linebacker spot. We don't know who the running back is next to him series in and series out, but Lamar Jackson is an absolute King at the moment. Yeah, he's going off, and yeah, he just he looks like one of the best players in the NFL right now. Um, trying to work through the running back usage last week was super confusing. Tyson Williams played fifty percent of the snaps, but just like didn't get any opportunities, and that was a really weird game plan because the Ravens passed the ball more than you're used to. So um, I, it's hard to trust Tyson Williams. I guess he can be a flex still. 
but Latavius Murray's it's a basically a 50 50 split. And I, I, to me, like I would give Tyson Williams the ball way more than the Ravens are. Cause he looks so explosive and there's just like so much speed between Tyson and Lamar in the backfield. But I'm with you. I, I don't think that it's going to be a super pass heavy game script for um, the Ravens, just because the Broncos pass defense is way better than their in- interior defensive line. There's a window where Rashad Bateman can be put back on the active roster. I don't think it's going to happen this week. It might. I don't even know if that's possible. Um, but as soon as Rashad Bateman does, we're going to see, I think, another element of of this team and, and of this offense because there is a reason why that they spend a first-round pick on him. Uh, it's just amazing that all that happens right after Marquise Brown's gloves were dipped in olive oil before the game and all that happened. But Marquise Brown's playing really well. That was one of those players, Hayden where I just had a blind spot to during, during the fantasy draft season. Um, yeah. I, Lamar's incredible. It's, it's tough to say because it, there's so many negatives on there, but he's just so able to mask them. But also credit to Greg Roman a little bit. Okay, one more game before we get to the primetime contests. Pittsburgh Steelers, Green Bay Packers, Packers six-and-a-half-point favorites, 45-and-a-half total. Uh, you could not be getting more different – quarterback play between these two teams with all the Steelers injuries, especially on defense too. no side, no area of that team is special at the moment, especially because their quarterback completely lowers it to like seven foot ceilings in your home. And meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, what he did with 38 seconds left on the clock, he elevates everything around him. Which side of the ball you want me to start with? I, I think I'm going to go with the Steelers just because there's more injury. Uh, Concerns right now that one of their starting offensive tackles in the concussion protocol, Juju Smith-Schuster, rib injury, did not practice to start the week. Deontay Johnson had a limited practice, but it sounds like he's dealing with a bone bruise injury, and that's like a pain tolerance thing. So that's something to monitor. He can be limited, but then maybe not go. Um, and that would just leave Chase Claypool against Jair Alexander. So lots to sort through. I'm, I wouldn't be too surprised if Juju or Deontay miss this game and the the Steelers are projected for the 28th most points of the week, which is not a surprise to to any of us. If you've been watching them, I mean, 19 freaking targets to their running back last week and including one on a fourth and 10 where the opposition showed a blitz and then backed out of it. And then Ben immediately freaked out. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, you know, that Jair Alexander play that intercepted Jimmy Garoppolo last week where he like peeled off his coverage and went down and attacked the ball. I mean, there's been Roethlisberger moonshots. I've been watching those highlights every single night, every single night, and just licking his chops to, to get after those. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really fun. It's also, we haven't talked about this at all. Aaron Jones has made A.J. Dillon completely pointless. Yep. And A.J. Dillon was drafted way ahead of someone like Alexander Madison, drafted as if someone he had that had individual standalone value, and he just absolutely doesn't. Yeah, he yeah, he's he's basically uh, a handcuff. And even if Aaron Jones were to miss time, are you convinced that he's going to be a three down player like Alexander Bassett? I'm not. I think that Kylan Hill would play passing downs. So, yeah, it's not good for for AJ Dillon, for sure. Any other names on here before you want to jump to primetime? Yeah, Robert Tunyon's interesting because like you want to play him. He's like a fringe tight end one, but he's tight end 30 in fantasy usage. He ran around on 74 percent of dropbacks. To me, he's just like the definition of touchdown or bust. And you know what you're getting with the Packers offense. There will be touchdowns. It's just going to be super hard to predict them. So he's probably like, what, like the tight end 14 or something like that every week. Um, he's just not getting the targets that you're like used to of like a top 15 tight end. One final thing. 
Ben Roethlisberger, the style he plays completely destroys any type of fantasy equation that you have. Because Hayden, like a lot of people predicted a great game for Chase Claypool last week. And from an opportunity standpoint, it was absolutely there. But I don't think you know whatever type of projections we can make can factor in just how poorly Ben Roethlisberger plays and his style of play. The same thing with Najee Harris. Like if we ever saw on paper Austin Eckler getting 19 targets or like CMC getting 19 targets or J.D. McKessick getting 19 targets, we're like, holy cow, this is incredible. But just the style and the offensive line and everything, how it's working right now, I don't even know if opportunity matters for the Steelers right now. Does that make sense? No, because Najee Harris like a top five guy because he's freaking 19 targets a game. Like that matters. Like I'll take it. Okay. All right. Let's jump to primetime games. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New England Patriots. I think you've heard that these two teams are playing this week and specifically that the Bucs on the road with Tom Brady are seven-point favorites. Quarterbacks, the Patriots defense has faced so far on the road to one and two this season. Tua Tungavailoa, Zach Wilson, and Jameis Winston. We have a buddy, Nick Rudman, somebody called Marsudo Boss, in some ways, the model for the underdog t-shirts, says that, hey, there's a chance Patriots money line hits. Hayden, I'm much, much more on the side. Double-digit win, and that Tom Brady is going to continue to, to search on the path for that touchdown pass record this season because I just don't know. I don't know how the Patriots can be able to slow him down at all. I thought Tom Brady played well last week. And yeah, we're, we're tracking the Giovanni Bernard and Rob Gronkowski injuries. Neither of them practice. Antonio Brown will return. It's basically, to me, just going to be Tom Brady throwing the ball to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin all game long. So um, yeah, I'm expecting massive things for Tom Brady. And we'll see. I'm tracking. If Giovanni Bernard doesn't play, uh, <laughs> if Giovanni doesn't play, I'm definitely considering... Leonard Fournette. They, it's clear, it's kind of like with Trey Sermon, they don't trust Ronald Jones. So if no Giovanni Bernard, I can see him having like that playoff workload where he would be an, an RB2. So we're, we're definitely tracking Giovanni Bernard. Antonio Brown back off the COVID list. Uh, I mean, everyone. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Heck, I'm even cool with going Leonard Fournette if you're talking about with Giovanni Bernard being out. Like, I'm all aboard. I will never say that. But to me, this sets up an I like pieces of the Patriots. I'm a Patriots believer. I actually think they're kind of fun to root for at like a big picture level this season. But again, the quarterbacks that they face don't even play the same position as what Tom Brady is doing, doing right now. And the Patriots defense isn't like fast. They're more bullies. And speaking of that, we've talked about a lot on the instant reaction show, the usage show, what the Patriots wanted to be offensively. It's impossible for it to work now. Because their offensive line is falling apart, especially at right tackle with Justin Heron. And who knows when Trent Brown is coming back. Hopefully it's this week. I don't know. But then if they can't get running lanes and, and create space, then the 12 personnel is not working. They might have to shift on the fly to 11 personnel. And then their quarterback is starting to pull the trigger a little bit more down the field. But this just isn't already through three games now into week four, what they wanted to be and what they built their roster to do. I agree with you. I think that they're going to do a little more 11 personnel. Even like last week, Johnny Smith ran around on 26% of dropbacks. 
And I think on all 26 of those, he dropped the ball. Like he's looking really bad. Uh, I would rank Hunter Henry over Johnny Smith this week. I think that the, a huge winner for the James White injury is Jacoby Myers. Because if you look at just like zone coverage stuff, uh, check down options, that's Jacoby Myers. And he's the guy that has a lower ADOL. Like Nelson Aguilar doesn't get a target boost because James White's uh, not out there. I think that Jacoby Myers is going to be somebody that's going to absorb some of that stuff, especially with Jameel Dean. He's limited. Uh, the other corner is it's not playing yet. JPP didn't practice yet. I think with Vita Bay up the middle, I think that you're going to see probably a little more shotgun, a little more spread, a little more Jacoby Myers in the flats. I think that Jacoby Myers is a buy low, a must start. I have a league where it's Chase Claypool or Jacoby Myers. And depending on the other injuries with the Steelers, I'm starting Jacoby Myers over Chase Claypool. I think it's a big spot for Jacoby. And the Bucks secondary is dealing with a ton of injuries too. I mean, for sure. Jamal Dean, I believe Sean Murphy bunting as well. Hurt. Yeah. And they're not rushing the passer as much as they were, but they're also sending a lot. And that's going to be potentially an issue for Mac Jones and their offensive line. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Johnny Smith. He and Nelson Aguilar combined for 14 targets last week and 21 total yards. Nelson I mean, was so that, bad. He was all so that money bad. spent this offseason, and then that's what you get in, in a winnable game last yeah. week against a team that just did it better than what you tried to tried to put out there on the field. I know you just mentioned Jacoby Myers, but I think a lot of the fantasy discourse, so we need to cover this, um, is around the loss of James White because he was racking up three, four, five, six catches every single week. I It's impossible to guess, but let's just like a prediction. Who do you think is going to take on the biggest James White role in a game that we expect them to be losing in this game? It's going to be split. I think that Damian Harris is going to play more. I think JJ Taylor is going to play more, and Ramondre Stevenson is probably going to, or will be active. Um, and I think that like Jacoby Myers is going to be someone that's going to and like the tight ends. Like I don't think there is a replacement on this roster. And like I've seen like some the the running backs coach had a quote about like Ramondre Stevenson, and maybe he's like the James White. Like get. Get the hell out of here. I mean, what are we doing? He's 246 pounds. You like Ramondre, pass pro rep Ramondre Stevenson in the James White role? Like, please. Like, this is ridiculous. So maybe Ramondre plays on, like, early downs a little bit more, and then Damian Harris plays a little more passing downs. But ultimately, like, there's no James White on this roster. Like, to me, it's just like Jacoby Myers of the new James White. You know? Like, they're just not going to use the James White role because Ramondre Stevenson is, like – they, they, they talked about it, that it's like a mental thing with Ramondre that he needs reps and all that stuff. Like, he's not going to be out there against the freaking Bucks. Here's a thought that I don't think anyone has said. What if they put Jonu Smith back there, who has seen running back touches, who is a pass protector in some ways, as someone who can make plays after the catch? That's a galaxy brain thought for you. But you mentioned Damien Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. You also have J.J. Taylor and Brandon Bolden who were active last week, and Brandon Bolden played ahead of J.J. Taylor once James White went down. So who knows? I I don't expect that to be, especially with the closing speed of Levante David and Devin White and just what they have. I don't expect that to be a significant role. This my take, my take, Ramondre Stevenson is Damian Harris's handcuff. That's it. Nothing more than that. I agree with you. Monday Night Football. Las Vegas Raiders 3-0. Chargers 2-1. 52.5 total with the Chargers at home. 3.5 point favorites here. We have covered it extensively, Hayden. How much we love Justin Herbert throwing to every single blade of grass. How defenses don't see it week in and week out. He's throwing ropes 30 yards on the field from opposite hashes to Mike Williams. Big portions of the field that it's impossible to cover. Meanwhile, we have seen an ascension of Derek Carr in his, I believe, eighth season in the NFL. 
age 30, where he has jumped all the way back, I believe, in 2018 as the 33rd passer in terms of 20-plus yard targets in relation to his attempts in the NFL, all the way up to number six or seven this season. We rarely, rarely see that change in someone's game. What are you excited about in this contest? Just Justin Herbert. I mean, just like insane right now. And the Chargers offense is just – it's – it's going to be this way the entire season. Like you, you don't start the season off top five in pace and neutral pass rate and get these results and then not expect this to happen. So this is like a huge Mike Williams week, a huge Keenan Allen week and Austin Eckler is getting all of the uses that you want to. So like, this is a very easy game for the chargers to project the Raiders pass rush is better. They're secondary. Like still like, give me a break. It still could easily get uh, picked apart here. So I like the chargers. I think they're one of the best teams. But I also want to give credit for sure to to the Raiders here. Yeah, obviously you're not benching any of those four pieces on the Chargers and you're really not looking to start any of the other pieces on there. On the Raiders end, we saw Peyton Barber show some patience, get some production last week despite them spending so much money with Kenyon Drake. We know you're starting Darren Waller each and every week. With this high total, I know they're not favored. Would you factor in Derek Cartier equation? Would you factor in a Henry Ruggs going against a Brandon Staley defense that even kept Tyreek Hill from launching off big plays last week. So with Henry Ruggs, you're getting these manufactured touches. It's like back-to-back weeks. I posted the clips on my Twitter. It's just like out of the backfield. They're getting them in motion where they have opportunities to not face as much press man coverage. And there was a couple reps last week where he was high-pointing high the ball against man coverage. So you're going to see a lot of zone for the Chargers. I think that this could be an awesome week for, for Henry Ruggs. I'm hoping that Derwin James is going to be healthy enough to play against uh, Darren Waller. Um, Cause that's just a fun matchup, but I think that's pretty obvious w- which options for, for the Raiders. If you need an upside play, it's Henry Ruggs. Uh, you obviously are starting Darren Waller. And the question is like, is Josh Jacobs going to play through his turf toe injury? Because Peyton Barber is playing over Kenyon Drake right now, which is absurd to me. But uh, I think Kenyon Drake's probably droppable at this point. It's just Peyton Barber as the Josh Jacobs, if Josh Jacobs isn't healthy. Yeah, it's really cool to see, Derek Carr changes game. I mean, we rarely see it from that short of a time span, just wanting to throw down the field much, much more. I, I can't explain why he do, does it and why he's changing his game. Um, what's not cool is how freaking soft Raiders Twitter is. I mean, get over yourselves of getting in my mentions that, oh, you've been all over Derek Carr for years. And then look what he is now. Well, you can highlight things and how they like that's a miraculous discovery that he has made in his game. You're soft. Who cares? Enjoy it right now. Enjoy that your quarterback is bawling out of his mind, who's firing down the field, who's unleashing an offense, a team that, you know, people had conversations that were very negative about John Gruden and Mike Mayock and so on and so forth. Who cares what people like me say? Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your quarterback. And if you believed in this whole time, that's a bit wild because he was really hit or miss. But now he's great. He's really good right now. Hayden? John Gruden's really good. That's my takeaway. Like everything's just wide open for Derek Carr right now. So it's really cool to see. They're getting Henry Ruggs utilized better. Uh, Hunter Renfro is just collecting ankles like nonstop. There was a couple plays against the Dolphins where he just looks like a much improved, more explosive player right now. So that's cool to see. So yeah, the Raiders, the John Gruden's got the Ra- Raiders offense cooking despite the Raiders offensive line looking really bad. So yeah, I, I think I think this will be a Justin Herbert win here, but the Raiders, like they're definitely like competing right now, which is really cool to see. 
Speaking of good coaching, just the differences in Austin Eckler in terms of red zone usage, he's getting 71% of it this year in comparison to 41% in 2020. And then inside the 10-yard running back carries, he's getting 83% through three games compared to 40%. Coaching wins. Ownership, coaching, great players. There it is. And all of you, let's all win together. Thanks for being here. This has been a fun show. Our longest one of the season so far. All triple digits of you. Subscribe down below. Don't be foolish. Don't be scared. Join us. We're having a blast. We'll be actually be here on Sunday as well for the Start Sit Show. 10 to 11. Phone calls being answered. 11 to basically 1230. All of your questions in the chat that we'll get to along the way. Hand out some pick em slips as well. Uh, and speaking of that, if you've ever wanted an underdog t-shirt, today is the day. If you refer a friend, go to the account, refer friends, send your link to text it out to five or 10 buddies, 20 even, you get a free 10 bucks and a free t-shirt for every single friend that you refer. That's just for today on this Thursday. Slide into a girl's DMs with the refer link. That'll work. <laughs> I believe it's the black one with the yellow yellowing, yellow coloring and lettering. I can't uh, be sure. We have a whole bunch of different ones. We have like a dark gray and a light gray. I know they're going to email you once that happens to get your sizing and stuff. So maybe even slide in the request if you want to. Sorry to throw more work on you, Burn, but we got to do it. Go get a t-shirt. They're actually awesome. They're super soft. Appreciate it. Ben, go draft some Best Ball Resurrection. What are you doing in this chat? All right, everyone. Thanks for being here. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for supporting us. Have a blast. Get sweaty with your picks. Enjoy the weekend. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.